Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and affect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host, E.W. Jackson. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your guest host today, Bishop E.W. Jackson. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Thanks for joining in. We've got a great program planned for you today, and I've got a tremendous guest, somebody that you're really going to enjoy hearing from. But before we get to that, just a few announcements that you want to be aware of. First of all, Grace and Faith Mexico is happening even as we speak. Today, the 22nd, and tomorrow, the 23rd, at Club de los Industrial, 113 Avenido Estadio Santiago de Querétaro. So those of you in the area, go and register and then head on over because it'll be there tonight, today, and tomorrow. Uh, and you can register at awmi.net. Andrew Womax is speaking, uh, Speaking, obviously. Uh, Mike Pickett, uh, Carrie Pickett, and Johan Toet. And then uh, that's today and tomorrow. The Men's Advance 2024 is happening March 7th through 9th. That's at 800 Gospel Truth Way, Woodland Park, and of course, Woodland Park, Colorado. Andrew Walmack, Todd White, Jeremy Pearsons, Billy Epperhart are the keynote speakers. Again, you can register at awmi.net, awmi.net slash events. Let's get that straight. awmi.net slash events, forward slash events. David, the King of Jerusalem musical. 2024, if you've ever seen one of these musicals at Andrew Womack Ministries, you know, I don't have to tell you, but if you haven't, <laughs> you have got to go. Yeah, you really have got to go and see one of these musicals. I mean, frankly, from my perspective, having gone to Broadway shows, they put Broadway shows to shame because these are glorifying to God, but they are absolutely top-notch in terms of talent and production and special effects. I mean, they're magnificent. So David, the King of Jerusalem musical is going to be at Andrew Womack Ministries, 800 Gospel Truth Way, Woodland Park, Colorado, on March the 29th through the 30th. And that's Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 10 a.m., and at 4 p.m. That's March 29th and 30th, Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 10 a.m. and at 4 p.m. And again, register awmi.net forward slash events. And go to the Truth and Liberty website and check out all the things that are going on uh, through Truth and Liberty. There's a 24-hour news feed there that features all kinds of conservative sources. And you can go to Truth and Liberty. That's A-N-D spelled out, truthandliberty.net. Check it out, folks. Uh, and by the way, let me remind you that uh, I'm going to be at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, this coming Sunday at uh, 8.30, 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Um, this Sunday morning with Pastor Gary Hamburg. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. And if you're, again, if you're in the area, come by and check it out. Now, I've got some special things planned for the program today. First of all, I want you to know that we are going to be open for calls. 
7-1-9-6-1-9-2-3-4-1. That's 719-619-2341. And anybody who calls in today, uh, I am going to provide you with a free copy of my book, Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. That was my publisher's idea to put my picture on there, by the way, not mine. <laughs> so, but Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Uh, if you call in today, I'm going to send you a free copy of the book. No charge. We'll take care of shipping. We're just going to send you a copy of the book when you call in today. Okay? The number is 719-619-2341. Now, you got to talk to us, obviously. <laughs> okay? And, oh, by the way, uh, so as to take uh, pressure off of my producer, uh, when you call in, if you wouldn't mind, email us, ewjackson at ewjackson.com. Say, how was the guest on Truth and Liberty today? Send me a copy of the book, and we'll be happy to get it out to you. Uh, my producers have plenty to do without them trying to record everybody's information to then pass along to me. So that's that's the only simple step I'd ask you to take. Email me at ewjackson at ewjackson.com. Very simple. Say, I was a guest on Truth and Liberty today. Please send me a copy of the book. I'll send you out a signed, personally signed copy of the book. We get your name uh, I will, and, and address, of course, and I will sign it personally to you. Well, look. Um, this is a special day, and normally here on Truth and Liberty, when I've been a guest and, and the, the times I've had an opportunity to, to host, we talk about the issues of the day. We talk about what's in the news, and, and, and there's always plenty to talk about. And we'll get into some of that when my guest comes up, because my guest in the next half hour, by the way, is none other than Tim Wildman, who is the president and CEO of American Family Radio, uh, American Family Association and all of the attendant ministries, uh, that great ministry founded by Don Wildman that is having a, a tremendous impact on the country. Uh, in fact, I used to be a host on American Family Radio before I broke away to run for president. No longer a presidential candidate, but uh, but that's what I was doing. That's one of the things I was doing before. And I tell you, it's just, just a tremendous network with a tremendous amount of, of reach and impact on uh, Christians particularly, but on the country in general. It's the kind of salt and light that we need. And, and let me just say again, folks, this is why truth and liberty is so important. This is why Andrew Womack Ministries is so important because we are increasing, increasingly in a Romans 1.18 situation where people in the world are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. They don't want the truth to get out. It's not enough that they don't accept it. They don't want others to even be exposed to it. So Andrew Womack Ministries, Truth and Liberty, American Family Radio, these organizations and others like them, by the way, are so critical, not only for us as believers, but critical to the, the culture, to redeeming the culture of our country. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But today, rather than going to a a, a current event issue, and there are always plenty of them. Talk about something that we, in the main, forget, because we now have a holiday called President's Day, but we forget that today is actually George Washington's birthday. Now, for those of you who are, are not familiar with me, uh, uh, E.W. Jackson, I'm the president of Stan, Staying True to America's National Destiny. I'm also the pastor of the Call Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. But if you've heard me 
at all, uh, or, or frequently maybe I should say, then you probably know that my favorite American historical figure is George Washington. I, I just really have just a tremendous amount of respect for, for George Washington. Uh, I think he is rightly dubbed the father of our country. And the, you know, there's a, a friendly, I hope, ongoing debate about who the greatest president was, whether it was George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. I really believe that it was George Washington. Because while Abraham Lincoln certainly saved the Union, without George Washington, there would have never been a Union to save. Uh, and I have some other reasons as well why I put George Washington ahead of Abraham Lincoln in that regard. But I have often mused, I, I, I really believe that George Washington was a saved man, that he had put his faith in Jesus Christ. And some of the things that he wrote said so, even though the left has tried to paint all the founding fathers as some kind of deists and, and just, you know, kind of just godless sort of philosophical floaters, George Washington really was a man of God. And I think he made that clear on, on numerous occasions. And I really do believe I'm going to see George Washington in heaven. And he's one of the people I look forward to talking to, to asking him questions and having him explain things to me. And as I think about what he had to endure in order to secure our liberty, and I think about the faith that he had, you know, that picture of him at Valley Forge praying, that famous, that iconic picture. All, all the historical witness and testimony says he, that's a true depiction. He actually did go out into the woods during the Valley Forge debacle during that time when his men were freezing and starving and struggling. And he went out there to pray, to seek the God of heaven, to ask for his help. And as we know, he successfully prosecuted the Revolutionary War and ultimately secured our liberty from Great Britain. Uh, I really believe he's the greatest president we've ever had, and I don't think anybody really comes close. Uh, even in his time, he was a man of towering stature. In the way he was taller than most people, he and Thomas Jefferson were uh, of the founding fathers we're most familiar with, at least probably the two tallest, and uh, probably six two, six three. So he, he really was a man of... of, of physical stature, but, but more than that, he was a man of immense character. And, and it's so much so that at the earliest stages of our republic, when everything was dicey and nobody could be certain how things would turn out, George Washington was the figure to whom everyone looked. When Mrs. Powell met Ben Franklin coming out of the Constitutional Convention on uh, seven, September 17th, 1787, and she asked him, well, doctor, what have you given us, a monarchy or a republic? Of course, we're all familiar with the answer, a republic, if you can keep it. But, you know, probably very few Americans realize that had, there, had, had, had it not been for George Washington urging the founding fathers urging the Continental Congress to have a constitution that would unite the colonies and give them strength as a single nation as opposed to a bunch of competing, bartering, uh, warring factions. Had it not been for George Washington, I don't think that constitutional convention would ever have happened. And who did they choose to preside? over the Constitutional Convention. 
who was the man chosen to be the, 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 the symbol of unity and the symbol of, of looking ahead with vision to the future of the nation? George Washington. So I, I have immense uh, respect for George Washington. But of course, we know that we're living in a time when people are debunking the founding fathers because, of course, they were slave owners. Most of them were. Not all, but most. Uh, many were. And part of why I wrote my book, Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves, was to address that very issue and to speak to why every American ought to love this country and be grateful for this country and see slavery and any other imperfections of our country in their proper context, okay? And, and ought to be asking and answering the question, well, if America's so terrible, why have we been so blessed? Why does 4.25% of the population of the world produce more than half of its inventions? How do we become, with 4.25% of the population, the most powerful nation on earth, the most wealthy nation on earth, the highest standard of living on earth, the most educated population on earth? How, how did that happen? It happened not because we're genetically superior people. It happened because we were founded and rooted in values that caused us to be blessed. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And George Washington was among the people who led in that effort. I mean, I remind you that the first official proclamation of George Washington after become, he had become president was a Thanksgiving proclamation uh, issued, I believe, on October 30th of 1789, in which he said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his favor and protection. And then he went on in that proclamation to thank God for the very formation of our nation and for the peace and the prosperity that was already beginning to emerge in the country. He went on to thank God for it. That's where we come from. That's who we are. I've often said, you know, we... I am a spiritual and intellectual son of George Washington. And people say, well, you know, you don't, you don't look much like George Washington. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, well, you know, few, very few of us look much like George Washington, but we're all his spiritual and intellectual heirs. And so that's the stock we come from, spiritual and intellect, spiritually and intellectually. That's the stock we come from. And I'll tell you what, it sets a high bar for us. And to the extent that we tear down, you know, the Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmarks, book of Proverbs, do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. To the extent that we remove those ancient landmarks, we are committing societal suicide. We are engaged in self-destruction. Now, but let me, let me address then this, this issue of George Washington you know, one of the things, when people are destructive, and I, I, again, I always find it interesting that people who have built absolutely nothing, but have really spent their lives tearing down, 
tearing down the country, dividing us, but had built absolutely nothing. And yet, they, they think that they are in a position to critique and disparage and to slander people who built the greatest nation in the history of mankind, or at least laid the groundwork for it. It's just, it's ironic to me that people who've done absolutely nothing want to tear down people who, whose achievements the world looks upon with awe. So the effort, though, to undermine them continues. Get rid of their statues. Don't quote their writings. Don't pay any attention to them. Why? Because they were slave owners. I address this in my book. So let me, let me just say something about this now. And I want to I end this segment with an, with an, an anecdote, which I, I hope will help you understand the complexity of the age uh, and the times that our founding fathers were born in. Remember, our country was established at a time when the world was really still on the edge of barbarity. We were about to enter the modern era. We were getting there, but we weren't there yet. Remember, there was no moral argument against slavery around the world. The moral argument arose in, in countries that have been influenced by Christianity and William Wilberforce uh, in England and the abolitionist movement in America, influenced initially primarily by the scriptures and the word of God, the Quakers kind of taking the lead initially, believing that it was immoral to hold a human being in bondage. It was immoral to claim ownership over another human being, a human soul. The rest of the world wasn't thinking about that. They didn't. They hadn't reached that level of moral sensibility or that level of conscious awareness, or maybe I should say conscience awareness, because they had no conscience about it. The conscience against slavery was developed in the West, in England first and then in the United States of America. Now, George Washington, uh, his father, died when he was 10 years old. And his father, among the inheritance he left George, were 11 slaves. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. George Washington was born in an era when slavery was normal. Everybody thought it was justified. So much so that a parent left his 10-year-old child when he died 11 slaves. So at the age of 10 years old, George Washington becomes a slave owner. Now, do you think George Washington at that age had the sophistication to say, well, you know, I appreciate that, Dad. I know you meant well, but... I I have thought through this philosophically and ethically, and, and it's just not acceptable. You know, when some young kid goes out and commits some heinous crime, uh, the world immediately starts justifying. Well, he didn't have a father in the home, and he was, he, you know, he was born to a young mother, and he was raised in the streets. And we start looking for the reasons to justify this abominable behavior. But, you know, we don't apply the same moral scales and weights 
to those who came before us. I'll tell you what, I, I would not want to be judged by the standard by which people judge our founding fathers because what they want to do is look at anything they can find that diminishes them and ignore the gargantuan achievements of these people. So George Washington is brought into that culture, a culture, by the way, the whole world is engulfed in. It says enslavement of human beings is, is normal and right and good. And of course, we know that racial ideology was developed to justify it because of Christian opposition to it. Don't forget that, folks. The reason for racial ideology, because racial ideology was not part of slavery. It was developed because Christians were expressing objections and those people who supported it and benefited from it needed to come up with a justification to answer the Christians who were saying, we can't do this. It's wrong. It's in the same way today. People say, well, it's nothing wrong with killing an unborn baby. It's not a life. It's not a person. It's not a human being. Because they have to justify their sin because Christians are constantly saying it is wrong. It is immoral. It is not right. Well, George Washington developed, as he grew into adulthood and as he aged, developed an antipathy for slavery, even though he was caught up in the institution as all of our founding fathers were. He developed an antipathy for it. And I, I, and I really believe developed a sensibility. I've got a book here called George Washington, His Slaves and the Creation of America. It talks about George Washington's relationship with his slaves. Henry Winsor is the author, W-I-E-N-C-E-R. You check it out. It's a great book. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't try to, to, to paper over the, heart, the, 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 the harsh realities of slavery, but it tries to give you the full picture rather than the caricature that the world wants you to think of. Well, one of my favorite stories that I learned in this book was George Washington's interaction with Phyllis Wheatley. Phyllis Wheatley became the first woman to have poems published in the United States of America. She became the first renowned woman author in America. I mean, renowned. And Phyllis Wheatley was a slave. She wasn't a mulatto. She wasn't a slave with a, with a, a slave master as her father. She was brought from Africa to slavery and the people who owned her immediately saw that she was brilliant. And she wrote a poem, an ode to George Washington, which I won't get into. Um, and George Washington was shown the poem. And this is what George Washington wrote to Phyllis Wheatley, folks, the black woman, the poet, the slave. And this was in February of 1776. This is his letter. Miss Phyllis, your favor of the 26th of October did not reach my hands till the middle of December. Time enough, you will say, to have given an answer ere this, granted. But a variety of important occurrences continually interposing to distract the mind and withdraw the attention, I hope will apologize for the delay and plead my excuse for the seeming but not real neglect. He is apologizing to this black woman for having not responded to her poem sooner. He goes on to say, I thank you most sincerely for your polite notice of me in the elegant lines you enclosed. And however undeserving I may be of such encomium and panegyric, 
the style and manner exhibit a striking proof of your great potential talents, in honor of which, as a tribute justly due you, I would have published the poem had I not been apprehensive that while I was only, while, while I only meant to give the world this new instance of your genius, I might have incurred the imputation of vanity. This and nothing else determined me not to give it place in the public prints. If you should ever come to Cambridge or near headquarters, I shall be happy to see a person so favored by the muses and to whom nature has been so liberal and beneficent in her dispensations. I am with great respect, your obedient, humble servant, G. Washington. Now, those of you watching me are probably shocked because you'll say, I never heard this. This was never taught in public schools. This was never taught that George Washington wrote this beautiful letter to this black slave acknowledging her gifts, her talents, her abilities. I believe George Washington had come to a point, as some of his other letters suggest, where he realized that the only inferiority of slaves was a result of their deprivation of any intellectual opportunities. And I really believe that his letter to Phyllis Wheatley, I believe George Washington was making a historical statement about what he really thought. Now, I am not amazed that our founding fathers owned slaves because they were born into an era in which this was common and accepted and normal. I am amazed that in that environment, they were able to rise above it and see, even though they could not extricate themselves from it, but they could see that it had to be done away with. They could see that it was wrong, inherently wrong. Remember uh, Thomas Jefferson's famous statement? Um, he said, I shudder to think that God is just. And he was talking about slavery and what the consequences would be of holding other people in bondage. And he said, we have the wolf by the ears. We can't let him go and we can't hold on. They were concerned that it would create cataclysm in the country in order to try to undo this institution that had become so beneficial to so many who were not going to likely, easily, peacefully relinquish it. They were so right. Over 600,000 Americans lost their lives in order for slavery to end because it was the, just that entrenched in the economic interests of some, just a small handful, of, I mean, comparatively speaking, about 30% of the population, including the entire families, owned slaves. But the slave mindset, the, the indoctrination, the racial ideology had gripped the hearts and minds of so many. Uh, and, and the unresolved issue of just how much sovereignty does a state have was going to be resolved around the issue of slavery. But thank God that our founding fathers had the foresight, George Washington, to me, towering above the rest, had the foresight to see that the country could not maintain a slave system, that it was inconsistent with our values. And as you all know, George Washington, at the end of his life, wrote a will in which he freed all of his slaves and provided for their subsistence so that they would not starve because, of course, he was releasing them into a very, very difficult atmosphere, a difficult, difficult 
cultural reality that they were going into, uh, and yet he tried to see to it that they experienced the blessings of liberty. I love this country. I am not ashamed of our founding fathers. I am grateful to them. I am godly proud of them and grateful to God that he's given me the legacy of being an American and inheriting this great cause of liberty that they laid the groundwork for. Folks, happy birthday, George. We'll be back in a moment with our next guest. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I said we've got a great program lined up. This is George Washington's birthday. But now I want to talk to someone who really has inherited a tremendous legacy and, and I really believe is helping move this country in the right direction based on that. And that is Tim Wildman. Tim Wildman is the president and, and leader of American Family Radio, American Family Association, and, and many other attended ministries, a magazine called Stand. And, and I'm sure he'll talk about these various um, uh, iterations of the ministry of, of American Family Association. Tim, welcome to Truth and Liberty. I know how busy you are, my friend. Thanks for taking time to be with me today. Okay, we can. can hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I said it's good to be with you, EW. Appreciate uh, the invitation. Always a delight to see you and hear your voice. Well, look, Tim, let's, let's get right into it. First of all, I want to acknowledge the tremendous legacy of Brother Don, who went home to be with the Lord here not too long ago. Uh, you, your family has really picked up the mantle of what God put in his heart with, with, and, and that he carried forth with great struggle at times and, and great difficulty, but has really created something that has a tremendous impact on the country. Talk a little bit about that and about where you see uh, the ministry going. Yeah, Dad, uh, Don Wildman, my father, uh, he passed away the end of December. He uh, was 85 years old. He uh, had, 
lived a relatively healthy life, but he got dementia, Lewy body dementia, about seven years ago, I guess, when he was first diagnosed. And it was okay. Uh, it's manageable. The last couple of years, it's really been tough for people who've known folks with that disease or suffer with Alzheimer's or dementia. They know exactly what I'm talking about. So while it was sad to lose my, my dad, uh, at the same time, I'm glad he went out to heaven and doesn't have to Amen. suffer from that anymore. So uh, kind of, you know, mixed feelings there. But yes. my dad's legacy was was four decades. Uh, well, 77 was when he left the pulpit. He was a Methodist pastor and left the pulpit. And God called him into this specific work of giving leadership to the Christian community on responding to the immorality uh, that our country was facing and the godlessness and the uh, the the uh, the uh, I, I, God haters, you know. I mean, I don't know yeah. what else to call them. They're God haters yeah. that uh, want that want to promote um, uh, the devil's work. Honestly, so uh, he, he, you know, it was about that same time, Bishop. That uh, mid, we're talking mid to late seventies. That God raised up uh, names that your your listeners, your viewers would be very familiar with, uh, Tim and Beverly LaHaye. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. James Kennedy, Marlon Maddox, uh, uh, Larry Burkett, Adrian Rogers, Jerry Falwell, uh, James Dobson. These are all friends of, of Pat ours. Robertson. Of mm -hmm. Pat Robertson, exactly. There's people's names. I'm Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, there's people's names that 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 I'm forgetting. Uh, but but that you get the idea. It was God yes. just read birthday. A, a, a group of people at that time to give rise to what we know now as the Christian conservative movement. And it was uh, a very uh, influential, uh, still exists today, and we're a part of it. But uh, was a, my dad was a, a key player, if you Amen. will, in that, in that, in that, in that movement. And uh, my dad was also um, uh he, you know, he was a humble man. He uh, he was called to do the, to give birth to this work, and it was just uh, a, a, he, so he was God's. I call him God's humble servant, is what he was. But the amazing thing is, uh, and I don't know, I'm talking a lot about my father here, but at the same, That's okay. uh, he, he had he had a uh, uncanny uh, horse sense. Somebody called it <laughs> that uh, that God gives a few people. Just a few people, and that is, uh, he had the ability to uh, to have a vision, but then he yes. could also do it. You know, what I mean? a lot of us have visions, but then we need somebody else to come along and <laughs> and do the put it all together, right? But Dad uh -huh. had a uh, ability to to have the vision, and then he then he had the ability to to do the work. So, and to put it together, whatever it may have been, this radio network you're talking about, which is. Uh, you were on for many years. We hope to get you back on permanently soon, but uh, you do some substitute work for us. But uh, but th this was birthed by my dad. Hundred uh, We peaked at 180, 90 stations, I think. I don't know what we are now, exactly now. But uh, Tim, you're listening to Tim. I could have never done that. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I have my abilities, but it sure ain't putting a radio network together from the ground up like my dad had the ability to do. So uh, anyway, just, uh, you know, he passed away recently. He was a, 
he was a giant in the movement and uh and uh but he, he he did leave a legacy my sons and my daughter they continue working here in this mm -hmm. ministry we're uh, based in tupelo mississippi we're a national ministry we have um uh, our magazine goes to 150,000 people i think the the radio network reaches millions uh you know weekly and also uh, we have a news division that we because you know the liberal media news uh the liberal oh. media you can't trust their news you can't you can't trust their news they're they're almost all democrat they're almost all liberal they're all progressive they're all secular uh I, I, by all i mean 90% right so yeah. uh, we created we created our own news division too to try to counter the disinformation that's out there. So and give uh, give Christians uh, you know accurate uh, news and information every day. So anyway, those are some of the things that we're doing here. And, and Tim, you you also created a streaming service because you saw yeah. what what we're seeing now, which is censorship yeah. by by these oh, other yeah. organizations. Oh yeah, we were. Uh, you know, you may have experienced this, Bishop, and I know people listening, uh, either they did themselves or they know people who did during the COVID. Um, during the COVID, you know, you mentioned the word ivermectin, man. You That got us shut down off YouTube. Huh? But just talking about it. Yeah. Got us shut down off YouTube. And uh, so, so uh, you know, Facebook uh, does uh, did some of this, some other of the... Uh, Social mm -hmm. media giants did some of this. So, uh, you know, he who controls the media can shut it, shut down a message they don't believe in. We know also, you know, the, the what, the, you know, the, just like the liberal media, almost all these folks are secular progressives. Almost all yep. of them. Elon Musk, Elon Musk isn't. He's more of a libertarian probably than he is a conservative, but at least he right. loves Western civilization and loves this country and wants to keep a free and open uh it wants to keep the First Amendment alive. So, exactly. Anyway, yeah. So, so you know, I'm I'm cheering him on, man. When he bought uh, X, <laughs> changed it to X from Twitter. But uh, you know, I've been. I, I think some people who aren't like us, even Bill Maher, for goodness sakes, uh, he, he's it. waking up. He's waking up to what these uh, secular God haters want to do to our country, and and. Uh, how far they'll go to impose their agenda. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and and I, I'm not given to, I don't think I am given to a, a lot of exaggeration, Bishop, but the, these, these people, these God haters, their goal is to shut you and me down. Yes. Completely, completely. Yes. If they could, they would take away our radio licenses. They This television program, would be like yep. the old Soviet Union or communist China or some of the Islamic countries that have a, they would shut you down completely because they don't agree with your message and they don't, they don't agree with freedom. Freedom is only for them because they know right. better. So uh, uh, if you let these people in control, total control, for example, the federal government, uh, they will, well, you had this, this lady who uh, fortunately didn't make it on the Federal Communications Commission. That's that's five people in D.C., two Republicans, two Democrats, and then a president appoints a, a chairman usually. And she was uh, scheduled to become on the, a chairman of the FCC. Now, she was denied, thank the Lord. We and other groups were able to defeat her, but she was like open about, uh, you know, she, she didn't believe in... Uh, 
Christian conservatives and, and we're getting false information about this, that, and the other. And I mean, she was very hostile. Uh, but anyway, I'm just saying, you get enough of those people in positions of power, especially in the federal government or in the judiciary, don't, don't believe for a minute they won't start using their power to shut down um, people like us. So that's what's at risk with elections, quite frankly. Go ahead. No, well, I, look, I was just going to say, um, YouTube, I've got enough of a following on YouTube to monetize my account, but they told me they weren't willing to do that because my content is harmful. Harmful. Yeah, well, and, and, and they <laughs> define they define what's right. harmful. Exactly. Oh, so you so so Bishop, did you tell somebody to go shoot somebody or right. uh, nope. rob somebody or carjack somebody? Or what what was harmful about your message? Yeah. Of course and I know I know what it is. Yeah. You probably said well, something like like boys boys can only be boys. That's probably <laughs> what you said. And that right there is harmful. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of, uh, that kind of insanity is going on out there. Yeah. Well, well, look, I, I, I've been telling people, and you're right. I, I was a host on AFR, uh, and and I, I've been telling people before then that how important what you do is because they're trying to move us in a direction where there is no outlet for Christian thought. That's what they really want. Mm -hmm. They want to brainwash people to think their way, and the, and the best way to do that, one way is to do that, you stop them from hearing any contrary opinion. Yeah. So and they what call you it all are doing. Speech. They call it hate right. speech. Right. You know, that, that's what, and, and who gets to define that term? They do. They do. You know, the left, the secular left in this country, they get to define hate speech, and then they, that, well, they, then they want to either uh, boycott your... Uh, whatever they are, they want to use yeah. the government to fine you or to censure you or to do like the social media giants did during COVID, just shut down any discussion of anything that wasn't, you know, approved by the CDC or uh, the Biden. Well, it wasn't the Biden administration then, but it was partly part of the. They COVID were, they, but they were, they were, they were working with the left and working with the Democrats. I mean, they were in cahoots even though yeah. they were denying it. Now we know they were, they were all meeting and talking and, and cooperating with each other. Look, we've got a oh, caller yeah. on, on the line, Tim, and I want to give people okay. an opportunity to talk to you folks. The number is 719-619-2341. And let's see, we've got Robert from Florida on the line. Robert, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Uh, stronger than me, I can ask Lee. Sorry, let me reposition my chair. I'm going to tone it down and just ask you a simple question. <laughs> okay. um, uh, so my question was, did George Washington know God is a wonderful counselor to win the Revolutionary War, to become the first president of the United States? As it, was he a real general asking God for appeal to heaven to make the United States a country? Well, listen, that, that is a great question. Um, in the pro earlier part of the program, since it's George Washington's birth birthday, Tim, I talked about my admiration for George Washington and the great contribution he made to the country. This is another thing that's being censored. Thank you for the call, Robert. Oh, and Robert, don't forget to email me at ewjackson at ewjackson.com. I'll send you a book. But this is this is the, the, the part of the censorship. They don't want us to know the truth about our founding father's faith. George Washington right. was a man of God. Absolutely. I heard your comments the last half hour 
on uh, George Washington. And you're right, without George Washington, none of we wouldn't even be having this conversation today. I mean, uh, I read uh, I've read a couple books on George Washington. I read David McCullough's 1776, which I highly recommend to anybody. But and, and Stephen McDowell, my friend and your friend, uh, Bishop, mm -hmm. he wrote a, a, a biography on uh, on George Washington called America's Apostle of Liberty, uh, which is an excellent book as well. But uh, with, you read about George Washington and his life, and and the the what God brought him through, what he lived through, what he had oh. to do in this. I mean, any other person would have quit. Okay, yes. uh, the, he he had the character of of steel, and he and he was uh, submitted himself to God in prayer. And listen to godly counsel, and uh, absolutely, he was he was he was he was a providential uh, man of God in in history. George Washington, he should have been he should have been killed. He went out to uh, many times, but he went out to Western Pennsylvania uh, in a war. I forgot was it the French and Indian? I think that it was, was the French. French and that Indian was the war. French and Indian War. Yep. Rich and Indian War, better get my history right. No one World War II. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Indians uh, shot at him and, 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 and several times and couldn't bring him down. They had open shots at him. He went, he, several years later, he went back to Western Pennsylvania and he, the, the, the uh, Indian chief there came up to him. This was on a peace, more peaceful mission and said, uh, uh, we had like seven fair shots at you or something like that. Uh, and the, 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 the bullets went through your coat and <laughs> shot out, shot the horses out from under him, but couldn't kill him. Yep. And he said, uh, the, the Indian chief said, and he, you know, he's a pagan. I would say, he said, you, you, we figured you were living the life, uh, under the, under the charm or something of the great spirit. <laughs> That's the way he described it. The Indian chief, what he was saying was. How we would say it was God was protecting this man Amen. beyond belief so he could do the great things that God had in store for him ahead, which um, which if you read about what happened in what, his leadership in Boston and then in New York and mm -hmm. Manhattan and I mean, good night. They're toting, uh, you know, they're toting uh, cannons behind them, traveling hundreds of miles in the snow and the harsh winters of New England and, and uh, the Northeast back, and he was just kept on going, kept on going he, with the vision. You know, he, he was a man who, uh, he uh, had despair as well sometimes, you know, yeah. as you can imagine, wondered, hey, can I do this? I don't think I can do this. And he kept going, he kept going. Anyway, I could go on and on, but George Washington, today's his birthday, and it is sad and tragic that we've lost his birthday as an American holiday, independent it of is. President's Day. Huh? Right. Right. I don't know why we, we did that. I don't know why we, if there's one man in history that, uh, uh, of our presidents that needs to have his own holiday and own recognition, it'd be George Washington, the father of our country. You mentioned Abraham Lincoln, too. I Obviously, uh, be fine with me if we had both of those men as holidays, because, and we used to have, though, when you and I were growing up, we had those mm -hmm. days, uh, and then they lumped them all together into President's Day, which uh, shouldn't have been done, especially with those two gentlemen and especially for George Washington. So anyway, George Washington, wow, if people need to read about that man's life, he was truly a man of providence.
And now they're tearing down his statues and telling us to dismiss him when you're right. Without him, we probably wouldn't have a country. We certainly wouldn't be living in liberty. So uh, it's. Yeah, you know, you know I, another thing, uh, you invited me on here, so I'm going to talk, right? No, go ahead. That's why, that's why I, I brought you on. Right? I don't mean to dominate the conversation, no, but you hit no. some hot buttons with me on, on this. So, you know what? What I find uh, strangely ironic, and maybe that's probably too light a word here, the same people who are attacking our founding fathers and calling America a systemically racist nation are the same people inviting millions of people of color to come in our southern border and come into the racist country. I'm going like, why do you want to invite people to come to a systemically racist country? You need to tell them, stay out. You're going to be treated terribly and horribly in this in this in this racist yeah. nation. Uh, but no, they say come in by the millions. Uh, and that, but you know why they do that? Because they know this is fun. They know in their hearts this is a great place. Uh, that, that America, yeah. I, I say they know when they're, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about the ALC types and those people who do everything to show their hatred for our country, basically. They say they want to change America. I want to say change America to what? Give me an example. Show me around the world uh, what you want to change it into because there's not a better, with all our faults, uh, we, oh, we're still goodness. the best place, the freest place, the most prosperous place uh, in the world. That's why everybody wants to come here. That's why everybody wants to come to America is yeah. because of the because of the the building blocks that our founding fathers set up. And let's face it, Tim, it's not about they, they don't. I don't think they care a whit about the illegal immigrants. I don't think they care mm -hmm. about uh, poor people, black people, Spanish people. They mm -hmm. care about power, and right. and all of these things we're talking about. They use these. In order right. to manipulate people and control people, right. I mean, it's just it's just right. like just like communists do, right? I mean, it's the, it's the same game plan. Yeah, that's that's the direction they're heading. Is they wouldn't necessarily maybe call it that, but it's totalitarianism, right? right. Whatever you know, we have Islamic totalitarianism. You have Chinese communist totalitarianism, yeah, which is similar to what the Soviet Union had and before uh, they broke up. Uh, so you have that, that they, they want totalitarianism of thought. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and then they can, and they, they do, they do want physical control. Don't misunderstand me, but they're beginning with, uh, trying to control everybody's thought processes. That's why they have taken over the university system almost completely. See what's happening at Harvard. That's gets a lot of news. Isn't that your old, uh, which, which school? Isn't that your old school? <laughs> Harvard, uh, you, <laughs> right, you were right. there during a different era, but I mean, Let's, yes, but uh, it, it was it was already on the way uh, right, to becoming what right. it is now, unfortunately. Uh, and and look, you, you are absolutely right that that's where they want to take us. And yet, the very people who complain about the slavery that ended 160 years ago, that what they're creating is a kind of psychological slavery. And if you control people psychologically, Tim, you might as well right. control them physically. Right. Yeah. And that's I think where that's they're going. Rise, absolutely. That, that's what there's some things going on here. That's what's given rise to the homeschooling movement, I think, to a large extent. Yep. And the Christian schooling movement, uh, for, for people realize, hey, these folks want to use the government schools to. And I'm not 
completely and totally against public education, and some people might disagree with me on that. There are certain places in the country that are still, yes, it's still okay. That's true. Okay, it's still okay. You still have mostly conservative Christian people who are in charge of the schools and the school boards. So, uh, but by and large, the uh, government school system now has been taken over by people who want to promote the liberal, secular, uh, progressive agenda, and they're, 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 they'll use the classroom to do it if they have to. And I, you know, if you asked me that 20 years ago, I was, I was a little bit skeptical of people who claimed this oh, yeah. is where it was going. Huh? <clears throat> but that, that's, that's, that's just, th that and the university system, I don't even think, I think people need to uh, look, look at going to, whether it's worth going to college or university anymore. Honestly, maybe you can go into a trade. You don't go into debt and you don't get this Marxist ideology rammed down your throat. Uh, unless you've got some kind of specific profession that requires a college or university. You know, when I was uh, growing up, now I'm 60, about to be 61. You're a little bit down life's road past me, Bishop. But our parents encouraged us to go to college. They wanted, uh, getting a college right. education was a uh, important for my parents and and you, they, they huh yeah, yeah okay so and, man but it was valuable uh, at the time you didn't have this indoctrination going on like you do today uh, so it was a, it was a different time now you go to college and they they're, they're going to push this stuff in every I had a friend of mine the other uh, a couple not the other day about a year ago or so conservative Christian family his son went off to a uh, University, secular university, state university to study. Uh, I wonder what he was studying, but he came back like after two semesters of school and was asking his dad about things that indicated he was leaning toward buying into socialism. Wow. You know, and his, wow. his dad goes, Wait a minute, hold on just a minute. Uh, uh, <clears throat> that isn't what we, that how you, you were raised. I don't know what kind of garbage your professors are laying out there for you, but. But uh, th th this is, uh, anyway, what I'm saying is you see how even kids from Christian uh, backgrounds uh, can go off to college and university and they come back four years uh, ideologically yeah. uh, brainwashed. So which again, uh, Tim, is, again Tim, is, which is why what you're doing is so important, why Truth and Liberty and organizations like, like these are so important. We've got three minutes, Tim, before we have to go to a break. Um, and I'm going to let you go, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how to plug in, because a lot of people watching probably are familiar with AFR, but there may be some watching yeah. who aren't. How do they plug in to AFR, AFA, the whole family of ministries? Okay. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, Bishop. If people want to be a part of the solution, uh, American Family Association, our organization, is one of the leading groups in the country that takes action on issues. We don't just talk about things. We we do talk about things and educate people, but we also give people things they can do to make a, a tangible difference. That's what we're about. That's what my dad was about. So uh, you can, if you just go to, I'll tell you what, if you'll do this, if you'll, if you'll send me an email, we'll send you our magazine. And uh, just in the email that you send to this address I'm about to give, just say, I heard Tim, that's all you need to say, I'm the only Tim here, I heard Tim say he would uh, send our uh, the Stand magazine, and you just say the magazine for free, 
for free. And we'll do that for six months. And if people don't like it or they don't agree with our mission, then they don't have to do anything. It doesn't cost them anything. But we need more troops. Okay, we Amen. need more troops. We need more troops. And so go to comments at AFR.net. Comments at AFR.net and just say, Tim said, send you my address to get the free magazine from American Family. And we will get that and we'll you'll be able to see what we do. And then, then all we ask is a donation a year. You know, we won't really have a, 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 a minimal or, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, we have to have money to operate like everybody else. Right. But God's going to bring it. If we do the work, my dad always said, if we do the work, God will provide the money. So uh, comments, that's with an S, at AFR.net, comments at AFR.net. And uh, we'll, and if you want to go, to, uh, if you want to listen to our radio network, it's at AFR.net. AFR.net, you can click on there and listen live anytime you want to to our radio network, America's Family Radio. Thank you, Bishop. Well, Tim, listen, it is, it is a pleasure. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, let me just attest to the fact mm -hmm. that somebody who's worked with you for years and visited the headquarters and watching you guys, how you operate, you don't waste a dime. You don't waste a dime. It is all going mm -hmm. into ministry and into, into furthering the cause of Christ and trying to help save this country. So, so man, I, I, I just commend what you are, are doing and encourage people. Folks, if you're not familiar with AFR, get familiar with them because they're a, a, a tremendous oasis for, for righteousness and truth. Tim, thanks for taking time out of a busy schedule, my friend, and I hope to see you and talk to you often. All right, thank you, Bishop. Take care. Have a great day. All, all right, you too. Folks, this is Truth and Liberty. We're going to take your calls as soon as we come back. 719-619-2341 is the number. We'll be back in just a moment. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Glad to be with you, and thanks so much for tuning in. I want to remind everybody, I'm giving away a free book to our callers. Now, you do have to take one little step to get the book. Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. I'll provide you no cost to you. We'll pay for the shipping as well as pay for the book. Um, but just email me at ewjackson 
at ewjackson.com, ewjackson at ewjackson.com. And uh, that's for anybody who calls in today, okay? So uh, we've got a caller now, Gladys on the line. Gladys, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Bishop Jackson, for taking my call. How are you? I am blessed, Gladys. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. It was a great show yesterday with your son. That was really awesome. Thank you, Gladys. Thank you. Yes. I was going to ask you the letter that you read that George Washington wrote to this black slave woman. Is that public knowledge and how can we access it if if it's public knowledge? Well, uh, Gladys, um, I read it in a book entitled George Washington, His Slaves and the Creation of America by Henry Winkser, or that's spelled W-I-E-N-C-E-R. I'd have to look at the footnote to figure out where his original source was for the letter. But obviously, if you get the book, you'll see a copy of the letter. Uh, I know because of copyright uh, laws and whatnot, I couldn't just lift a copy of the letter out and start sending it to people. So I'd recommend you first to the book. Um, but what I could do, and I don't have time to do it right now, is, uh, is find out what the original source is. And that way, I could tell people where to go to see the book's original source for the letter that he wrote to uh, Phyllis Wheatley. So that's the best I can do for you right now. But the book is, uh, actually, the book is An Imperfect God, George Washington, His Slaves, and the Creation of America. And as I said, folks, this is a great book. It doesn't try to, to, to whitewash or pretend that slavery was a good thing, um, but it gives you the full picture as opposed to just, oh, the, the founding fathers were terrible people and they owned slaves and this. Uh, it, it gives you a much fuller picture. And that, what I just shared with you all in terms of George Washington's letter to Phyllis Wheatley is something that you simply will not hear. And unfortunately, our children won't be taught because it's going to be taught. They're going to be taught a polemic against our founding fathers. They were terrible people. And that's the end of that. <laughs> no need to look any further. But actually, these were just like you and me, flawed human beings Uh, but human beings with some tremendous gifts and talents and abilities, which God used to found the greatest nation in the history of mankind. So, so Gladys, I I hope that helps. Uh, Like I said, you can check out the book. And since you've asked the question, uh, and I've shared that with other audiences, I may try to find the original source myself and share that with people, because for people who may not want to buy the book per se, uh, but want to see some of these writings that George Washington issued. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you where else you can go to get some great writings for George Washington. Um, one of these days, maybe I have an opportunity to have them on uh, on the program. Uh, Face, the Foundation for American Christian Education. I've got a tremendous book uh, on George Washington. It's a big red volume with a lot of his writings and and uh, and a lot of his history and things that you won't normally find. As a matter of fact, since it is George Washington's birthday, and and I shared uh, that with you, um, let me share another excerpt with you. Uh, And again, this is a book, I forget exactly, I think the book is just called George Washington, but it was published by the Foundation for American Christian Education, FACE, F-A-C-E. Check them out. But I found this quote 
in that book, and this was a quote that George Washington did not use in his actual inaugural speech when he was, became president of the United States, but his notes were discovered, uh, his notes were, were preserved, I should say, weren't discovered, but preserved. And these are words that he wrote, but didn't actually speak, but the notes were preserved. I'm sure you all probably know this, you, you like me, amateur historians, James Madison was really, in many ways, George Washington's editor. He used to go through his writings and go through his speeches because, as you all know, George Washington was not formally educated. George Washington was homeschooled. His mother brought in tutors and whatnot. And, and he always felt a little bit, um, shall we say, inadequate uh, that he didn't have a formal education. Uh, but I just, I really think that he, he was... I mean, the man was was eloquent in his own right. And, and because to me, eloquence is not your ability to use flowery language. Eloquence is, is speaking from the heart. <laughs> That's what makes a person compelling. It's not, you know, people can, can get, Andrew and I talk sometimes about how different our styles are. But Andrew reaches billions of people. Why? Because people know that he's speaking from the heart. It, it, it's not the style that matters. It's, it's whether it's coming from the depth of, one, of one's being. And, and at George Washington, I really believe that when, when the man spoke, he spoke from the heart. You know, in fact, George Washington said, don't even think yourself a patriot if you want to do away with the twin pillars of religion and morality. And by religion, the founding fathers meant Christianity because that was their orientation. Frankly, they didn't think of anything else but Christianity when they thought of religion. Uh, but at any rate, this is an excerpt that George Washington uh, that wrote, but never made it into his actual speech. And here's what he said, and I think you will find this prescient, prophetic even, quote, and this is, by the way, this is in one of those books, uh, the Foundation for American Christian Education book on George Washington. He said, I pretend no unusual foresight into the future and therefore cannot undertake to decide with certainty what may be America's ultimate fate. If a promised good should terminate in an unexpected evil, if the blessings of heaven showered thick around us should be spilled on the ground or converted to curses through the fault of those for whom they were intended, it would not be the first instance of folly or perverseness in short-sighted mortals. The blessed religion revealed in the word of God will remain an eternal and awful monument to prove that the best institutions may be abused by human depravity and that they may even in some instances be made subservient to the vilest of purposes. Should hereafter those entrusted with the management of this government, incited by the lust of power, overleap the known barriers of this constitution and violate the unalienable rights of humanity, it will only serve to show that no compact among men however provident in its construction and sacred in its ratification, 
can be pronounced everlasting and inviolable against the sweeping torrent of boundless ambition aided by the sapping torrent of corrupted morals. He didn't say those words, but he wrote those words. And folks, if that doesn't describe where we are today, I don't know what does. The best institutions may be abused by human depravity. To turn your government schools into indoctrination camps, telling children that when the doctor told you your gender based upon your genetics and your physiology, he was only guessing that you might have been born in the wrong body and we're going to help you get, we're going to help change your body. Talk about a human institution that is abused by human depravity and subservient to the vilest of purposes. And then he says, should those entrusted with the management of this government, incited by the lust of power, overleap the known barriers of this constitution and violate the unalienable rights of humanity, like what? Like freedom of speech, like freedom of religion, like the right to keep and bear arms. Those rights are being violated all over the place, folks. All over the place. Because of what? Boundless ambition, the lust for power, and corrupted morals. I, we can do whatever we want to do. We don't care what you think. We don't care what anybody thinks. We'll do whatever we want to do. I mean, we've actually seen presidents. Barack Obama did it. Joe Biden did it. Say, the Constitution won't allow me to do that. And then later on, do it anyway. You've already acknowledged that the Constitution doesn't allow you, doesn't give you the authority to do it. Then they do it anyway. Why? Why? Because they don't care. Governor Murphy of New Jersey was asked whether when he was shutting down churches and, 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 and locking people down, whether he had the constitutional authority to do that. He said, well, that's above my pay grade. Above your pay grade? Wait a minute. You raised your right hand and took an oath to the Constitution of the United States. How's that above your pay grade? What he really meant was, I don't care what the Constitution says. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, they didn't have any constitutional authority to close churches. They knew they didn't have any constitutional authority to, to, to partner up with big tech and censor us from a, an open and vigorous debate over the best treatment for this, this, this uh, communist Chinese Wuhan virus, as I prefer to call it. They know they didn't have the authority to do that, but they did it anyway. Why? Because of boundless ambition and corrupted morals. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They don't care what the Constitution says. They don't really care what the law is. The only thing they care about is, what is it that is going to give me the power I crave and allow me to keep that power once I get it? That's the only question. That's why we've got illegal immigration running rampant. Because they don't care what it does to the country they don't care what it does to our, our, our social service systems. They don't care what it does to our economy. They don't care what it does to the average American. They don't care about the crime that it creates. I mean, we talk, we're talking about Venezuelan gangs 
partnering up with MS-13 to create terror in our cities. We're talking about tens of thousands of Chinese nationals flooding into the country, and now you've got San Francisco taking a Chinese national who is here illegally and putting that person on their election board. And why are they doing that? They don't care because they don't care about what the American citizen thinks. They've got you. They care, they care about power and what it's going to take to get it and keep it. The number, by the way, is 719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. And I'm giving away a book. I've only got a couple of callers right now, but I'm giving away a book uh, to any, anybody who calls into the program. Just, on George, just a tribute to George Washington's birthday. That's why I decided to do that today. I won't be doing that in every program, folks. <laughs> but look, you could go right down the line. I say, try to have a debate with people uh, on the basis of the merits of policies is really uh, with people on the left, the, the, the godless folks who are pushing all of these ungodly agenda items. Trying to have a debate on the merits is a waste of time. First of all, they won't have it. They're not going to do it because they're not interested in having an open debate. They don't want the American people hearing both sides of an issue and deciding on a rational basis what makes the most sense to me. No. Look, in order to brainwash people, you've got to have two elements. Number one, you've got to have the constant, consistent, unrelenting, propounding of a single point of view. That's number one. I mean, over and over and over and over and over again. And number two, you've got to censor and silence opposing views. Because no matter how much you propound a point of view, if people get to hear a contrary point of view and they hear that over and over again, then they say, oh, well, you know what? I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this, but I'm now, let me say, what, what makes the most sense to me? They don't want that. They don't want you thinking through issues analyzing things. They don't want you trying to determine what's in your best interest, what's in the best interest of your family, what's in the best interest of your business, what's in the best interest of your life. No. They want you to think that there's only one option. There's only one way of thinking about this. Their way. And if you don't think about it their way, you, 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 you're not even a legitimate thinker. And your thoughts don't, your, your thoughts shouldn't even be permitted in the public square. That's, that's, that's the bottom line on this, folks. That's where this is all headed. I said we're in a Romans 118 moment where they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Oh, folks, that is why truth and liberty is so important. I mean, I can't say it enough because here you're going to get the truth. And remember, 
the, the distinction because people say, well, well, aren't you trying to do the same thing? No, because we're not trying to silence anybody. We want there to be open discussion and debate because we really believe that when the American people have an opportunity to hear this debated and hear a rational discussion about approaches to things, I, they're overwhelmingly going to choose the rational approach. I mean, I, look, thank God for Janet Porter, who I know is, is going to be here uh, on Truth and Liberty from time to time, as I will. Janet Porter, like I and so many others, like Andrew and so many others, make the point that from the moment of conception that is a human being, it is a human being in early stages of life, the same stages that you and I went through, right? And you can't draw a line. Well, wait a minute. Uh, well, at, at one month and one day and 26 minutes, well, then it's human. Well, no, no, no. Maybe at four months, five days, and 32 minutes is human. No, no. Um... At the exact moment of birth, after the umbilical cord is the umbilical cord is cut, then it's human. So before the umbilical cord is cut, it's not. And one minute, one minute before birth, it's not. I mean, you see, it, it, it just doesn't work logically, does it? You can't make those distinctions because you don't have a, a rational place to do it. And the reason you don't have a rational place to do it is because there's no truth in it. That is a human being from the moment of conception. The Bible says so. But you know, that's not the debate anybody wants to have, is it? They want to have a debate over reproductive rights. Because, I mean, that sounds good. You know, we're, we're rights. We're protecting rights. But because the unborn child is denied humanity, he or she has no rights. And therefore, for you and me to even bring that up in the debate makes us monstrous, right-wing crazies. And yet, every single one of us, every single one of you watching this program, every single one of us is here today because somebody respected the life that we had before we were born so that we could have life after we were born. Right? Uh, I do a, a conference call every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time called the National Awakening Coalition Conference Call. You can find out more about that by going to our website, standamerica.us, uh, and it'll give you the number to call in. It's a one, it's a one number call. You don't have to dial any codes or anything like this. Just call in. My guest last Tuesday was Ryan Bomberger. Ryan Bomberger is a pro-life, pro-family champion, a brilliant man who he and his wife have written a couple of children's books. Uh, one is called He Is He and the other is called She Is She, uh, in which they seek to help children understand all this confusion that is being forced on them that, well, no, 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 there, is, there really is no difference, and people move from one to the other, and all this nonsense, uh, to, to, to help children 
become inoculated against that or to, to deprogram them when they are introduced to that craziness. Brian Bomberger is the product of rape. His mother was raped. And here this man is, as far as I'm concerned, making a tremendous contribution to the lives of his fellow human beings. But if you listen to these, these representatives of the death cult, he should have died before he breathed his first breath. He should have been executed because of the circumstances of his conception. If you've never heard of Ryan Bomberger, the Radiance Foundation is their organization. The Radiance Foundation, check it out. I mean, you will believe me, you will be blessed. And he's the product of rape. So is James Robinson, the product of rape. And of course, those are the rare instances in which the argument is made of, you know, we have to have abortion because, you know, you can't, you can't have people, force people to have a baby after they've been raped. But we know that that is a very, very, very rare instance. And it's not justified then. But that instance is used to justify killing an unborn baby as if that's 99% of the cases. But no, we know, in fact, there's nothing more to it than post-pregnancy contraception. That's really what it's being used for. You do whatever you want to do before, and if you get pregnant, you just kill the unborn baby and be done with it. That's what it boils down to. And you know, I really believe that when the American people hear the merits, we're going to become a pro-life nation. That's why it's so important that we be censored from the left's point of view, because they don't want the American people to hear arguments like the one I've just made to you. They don't want them to hear that. They only want the American people to hear, shout your abortion, from the likes of an Oprah Winfrey, for example. Because after all, she's an icon. And she's just as wrong as two left feet. But they don't want to hear an E.W. Jackson say, no, 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 no. If you're going to tell, tell the truth, say, shout the killing of your unborn baby. Well, that doesn't sound so attractive, does it? But that's what it boils down to. And they don't want to hear that. So that is why it is so exceedingly important that you support Truth and Liberty, support American Family Radio, support the things that we are doing. Pray for us, first and foremost. I always say prayer produces resources. Resources can never substitute for prayer. But pray for us. Support the work that you see because, folks, it is becoming increasingly more rare and more difficult for people to get the word out because of all the efforts that are made to keep the word from going out. So don't, don't let the light be snuffed out.
Okay. Uh, look, you all know, and, and in the last few minutes of the program, I'll end with this. I ran for president of the United States, and I ran out of obedience to God. And, I, and folks, I, I prayed about this many, many, many times since I quit the campaign. I quit back in December. And, my, and the answer is always the same. You did what I told you to do. And I really believe God will show me all that, that is involved that he wanted me to learn. But one thing he's taught me already, I wanted you to understand just how profound the censorship is. And it is profound. Because as some of you may know, they didn't, they didn't cover, uh, they mean the mainstream media, they didn't cover my announcement. They didn't cover my campaign stops. They treated me like a non-entity because I was the only person running who was running to espouse a biblical worldview. That's why I ran. I didn't run because I thought that I was going to overcome, overcome and overtake the front runner necessarily. And I always said that if that was the only reason a person was running, they're probably delusional. But, you know, with, with God, all things are possible, so you never know. But you better have another reason because that's not likely. And of course, I said, people say, well, you're a long shot. I said, but everybody's a long shot, except for Donald Trump. So you better have another reason for running. And I did, which was to espouse a biblical worldview. But I'll tell you something, folks. I saw the hostility against that viewpoint in a way that I had never seen it before. That's why I say this is ultimately not about party, because I saw it coming from certain, certain aspects of the Republican Party, cer certainly the Democrat Party, and all the media represents the Democrat Party because they're all basically in one party and they're all on one side of the equation. But I saw it from, from both sides of the perspective, both sides of the political aisle, if you will. They simply did not want biblical truth introduced into the equation because they thought it's just too dogmatic, it's too black and white, it's too clear, it's too unequivocal, and we need some room to wiggle and nuance and, you know, play games. But you know, the Bible says, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare for the battle? And so we've got to keep crying aloud and sparing not. We've got to make our, our, our viewpoint, which is the, the word of God. I tell people, I don't have an opinion about homosexuality. I don't have an opinion about, about killing an unborn baby. I don't have an opinion about changing genders. I have the Bible. It's not a matter of my personal opinion. Who cares what my personal opinion is about this? But the word of God will endure forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. That is the truth. And that's what we all ought to care about. Not a bunch of political opinions that people hold, but what the word of God says. And I found out, folks, that's why I'm calling this, we're in a Romans 118 moment where we are seeing the truth suppressed in unrighteousness. That's exactly what is going on right now. Truth and liberty is a, is a herald of truth in the midst of, a, of a, 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 an atmosphere, a world, a universe of lies. 
So is American Family Radio and organizations like that. And by the way, there aren't that many either, folks. There aren't that many. Just because an organization is conservative doesn't mean, mean they're truth tellers. We don't just need conservatism. We need biblical worldviewism. <laughs> I, I like that one myself, right? We don't, we don't need conservatism. We need biblical worldviewism. Because it's the word of God that is going to change the lives and change the hearts of human beings and put us back on track to where God wants us to be. We have been the most successful nation in the history of mankind because we've been blessed. And we've been blessed because our God is the Lord. We've been blessed because we had people like our first settlers come here and enter into covenant with each other and with God. We have been blessed because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord because we've had leaders like George Washington who honored Almighty God and acknowledged that we are all ultimately accountable to Him. When you remove all that, you remove the basis of the blessing. And then you reap what you sow. A lot of times we have not reaped what we've sown, frankly, because been, there's been so much grace available to us <laughs> that a lot of the stuff that others have been reaping have not brought the, 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 the harvest of judgment that they would have normally brought. But look, God bless each and every one of you. You tell the truth. You speak forth rightly. As a matter of fact, as I like to say, you stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.